Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell, and joining me as always is my co-host, Robert Zirk. Today on River City 360, last year Manitoba was number one in the Fraser Institute's 2014 report on charitable giving. We'll talk to the Winnipeg Foundation CEO Rick Frost about this year's report and where Manitoba ranked among other provinces. Then we'll be joined by Megan Tate, Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation, to talk about some recent community grants that are supporting reconciliation and helping newcomers to our city. And finally, Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, joins us in studio to discuss the latest stories from citizen reporters at CNC. All this, some great music, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and good morning, Robert and Nolan, with you this fine Sunday morning in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, Welcome to the first episode of a brand new season of River City 360. We're on season two, Robert. Can you believe it? It's incredible. We've already wrapped up 40 episodes. We had our um, two-part best of 2015 for the last couple of weeks, and we're ready to get back at it with some great new stories. It was a lot of fun last year, and I learned so much about our city, about uh, who's doing the great work uh, all around our beautiful city and province in general, and it's it's been a really informative and really exciting time to, to, to be in Winnipeg, I think. Absolutely. It's been a lot of fun as well to uh, get to go out to different events and, and see some of the great things that are happening all throughout uh, all throughout our city. And thank you to our listeners for being a part of uh, this journey with us so far. And uh, here's to a great 2016 and a great season two. I agree 100%. And if you missed our 2015 season or want to go back and hear it again, don't forget that you can listen to both parts of our 2015 Year in Review special online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get all of our episodes directly to your mobile device. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, coming up first is the CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. He's been uh, on the show a few times before, and he's gonna—he's always a great interview. Uh, he's going to join us in studio, and we'll be talking about the Fraser Institute's recently released Generosity Index, which uh, sort of ranks all of the provinces in Canada based on how charitable they are and how giving they are. Uh, usually, Manitoba is uh, number one in giving, uh, but we're going to ask Rick where we rank this year, where, where we rank in the most recent uh, generosity index we will have all those answers after our first musical break uh, but before we get to rick uh, let's start off the show with a song what do we got robert we've got teddy roderman and the new world trombones with it was a very good year because i think 2015 is a pretty good year it's a great year it's a good year that's a good that's a good song to start off with i love it so here it is teddy roderman new world trombones it was a very good year right here on river city 360 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning, and we are now joined in studio by CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Rick Frost. Rick, thanks for joining us. Great to be here, Nolan. So this is, I mean, you've become uh, one of our most most uh, most joined with us guests on the show so far. It's good to have you back. It's great to be here always. Uh, so we wanted to talk about uh, the culture of generosity in Winnipeg and in Manitoba in general. And uh, I understand, I read in the paper this past Saturday that... Uh, the Fraser Institute released their new uh, generosity index, which kind of rates and uh, quantifies how Canadians give and how much they give. And, and, and I was wondering if you could just tell our listeners sort of give, give us the layman's terms of what that what that study told us and, and how it how it pertains to the Winnipeg Foundation. Well, the Fraser Institute has been producing this study for quite a number of years, and it's a study that always makes Manitobans feel very good. Uh, because well, we've been on the top for yeah, how many years? Now? Every year, every we're on year? the top. Yeah, we're constantly on the top of the survey. The way they they do the calculations, they look at um, the percentage of income that people are are, are giving, and okay. the number of people, tax filers who claim a charitable gift as part of their income tax. Um, and we always come out right at the very top. And you know, Manitobans always you know. There's sometimes you read about in the newspaper some negative things about our province, but on this particular case, you don't read much negative because we're always at the top of the heap. They compare the American states and the Canadian provinces, so it's a, really oh. a list that's longer than just the Canadian provinces. But when you look at the um, at the Canadian provinces, we're always in uh, at the top of the list. So how do we relate to other provinces? Like what are, what are the percentages? Just kind of quickly. Well, you know, it, it varies from year to year, and there's not that huge uh, huge amount of difference, but there is some cultural shifts. I mean, uh, in Quebec, for example, I think they have a long-time tradition of relying more on government services, um, and they have, a, um, as a result, I think philanthropic giving in, in Quebec is not as established as perhaps it is in other parts of the country. Um, so you do see some trends going on. Um, the prairies, you know, I think have always had a bit of a tradition of generosity. And so, uh, so you see some of that, some of that being reflected, but on the whole, I think, you know, Canadians do the best they can. Um, but when you, uh, when you sort of stack up the, the, the comparisons, Manitoba is always at the top of the list. Well, right now the dollar is kind of compared. You said you mentioned America earlier. The dollar is kind of not doing that well. So I'm wondering what are what are sort of the general trends of of all of Canada? Like, is giving up in general, or is it down, or, or where are we at? Well, in 2008 there was a significant setback in the economy, and I think everybody knows that that had a big impact on a lot of things. And what's happened, and I think Manitoba kind of reflects this. Um, up until 2008, you saw significant growth in giving. Um, um, and then since 2008, it has really flattened out. And the number of people who are giving is reducing somewhat. Okay. Um, in Manitoba, for example, our, our, our total giving, um, and this is Statistics Canada numbers, but our total giving, say, in 2003 were, was about three hundred million, okay, and and to, today it's about four hundred million. So you know we're up about a hundred million dollars, but that growth is that with in, in inflation though. That's that's total gross numbers, okay. okay. But but the growth um, took place largely before two thousand and eight, right? So so that's basically what's what's going on. I think across the country. Um, similarly, when you look at numbers of people who claim a tax uh, in their taxes, they they claim a gift uh, as part of their tax filing. You see Manitoba leads the country. You know, we, you'll see the numbers, the Fraser Institute and others, the Stats Canada will confirm that. But in terms of people who, do, who make a claim, the numbers drop by about 5,000 people from about 230,000 to about 
225,000, that, that kind of a number. Okay. So it's about $5,000 in, in, in that range. So it's, so we're seeing somewhat fewer people giving um, in that way. Now, you've got to remember there's a lot of things changing. You know, there's all this other types of ways people give. So we, right. you know, you don't necessarily claim everything in your taxes. So, so we're also trying to understand what's going on on that front. And, and the other big factor, I think, is that um, younger people certainly give in different ways. and Probably volunteer more. Than, vol- yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of different things with social media and all right. that kind of thing that's going on. Um, people are also, you know, going into the grocery store or buying different things. And people have said, you want to give a dollar right. here, a dollar there. So there's all, all kinds of things like that going on. But giving tends to be um, more generous amongst older people. So right. um, the younger you are, the le- it make, makes sense, yep. right? The less money you have to give. Um, and so when you kind of look at the averages again in, in, in Manitoba, um, you're going to see um, younger people um, – Giving something in the order of, you know, eight hundred dollars a year might be a okay. number that you might see. Um, whereas uh, people who are over sixty-five likely giving something on average in, in the order of twenty-five hundred. So oh, wow. it's, a, it's 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 quite a difference. Um, and so the older you get, um, well, the more comfortable the more you comfortable are, yeah. and you're able to give more. And so as our population ages. You know, uh, we're well, going to bo- see when the boomers get to be sixty-five yeah, plus. We, we expect to see um, more generous gifts coming from those who give. The, so right. the challenge really is to keep more people giving, and so the loss of donors is more serious than the amount that people are giving because people are being as generous as they can. And so it's not really uh, that side of it. It's more trying to how do you get everybody everybody participating and everybody giving back. And and that's a challenge. We are speaking with Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. And after the break, uh, we're going to ask him about his extensive experience in the philanthropic sector here in Winnipeg, uh, and as well as any trends that he might see when it comes to charities and, and philanthropy in our great city. Stay tuned after this short break. Hi, I'm Noah Ehrenberg, convener of Winnipeg's citizen journalism website, communitynewscommons.org. This week on CNC, Harrowing Journey Inspires Woman to Heal the World. Rebecca Deng was a refugee for 23 years. Now, after living in Winnipeg for the past decade, the South Sudanese lost girl is reaching out to help those who are victims of war. You can read her incredible story this week on communitynewscommons.org. Welcome back to River City 360. We are talking to Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation. So, Rick, uh, exactly how long have you been working in the philanthropic sector? 18 years, over 18 years with the Winnipeg Foundation. So what trends have you seen since you have been here and what are you seeing sort of moving forward from from the Fraser Institute and just your general observations as well? Well, I think that one of the things is that... um, you know, smaller organizations are struggling more. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of big campaigns. If you just look in our own city, you know, the right. Human Rights Museum, the Cinnabon Park, the universities, the hospitals. I mean, these are big organizations. The United Way and the Winnipeg Foundation. I mean, we're big organizations as well. Um, and so if you're a small charity, um, you know, with a, with a fairly modest budget and one, one or two staff or something like that or volunteer-based, it's v- much harder for you to raise significant dollars because the larger organizations are really attracting a lot of the philanthropic dollars. So I think that that's an issue, and you'll notice in the Winnipeg Foundation's granting, we were in over 900 organizations last year with grants. Our average grant, our average grant was about fifteen or $16,000, I think. Wow. 
And so we're really quite focused on getting money to smaller organizations, yeah. uh, the way we operate. But, but having said that, I mean, I think it's one of the challenges certainly is for smaller organizations, uh, I think they're forced to look, and I, I gave a whole speech on this at the Jewish Foundation recently, but, um, and it's on our website, I should give yeah. myself a plug, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, but, um, but I think if you, if you look at that, uh, I think that the... Uh, the trend is that smaller organizations are are struggling more, so they're going to have to look more at partnerships and and maybe even mergers, you know, because uh, right. in order that they can more that they can be competitive. So that certainly would be one of the trends. Uh, we need to tell our stories better, for sure. I make this reference in the Jewish Foundation speech as well. But we've got this new program called Fast Pitch, which we're just which we're just doing our first pilot on. Yeah, we've covered it on RC three hundred and sixty. Oh, Pitch. great, yeah. great. Well, it's a, we're very excited by that, and and um, you know I think it's it's going to help tell stories, and it's a fun, it's sort of a fun kind of comp competitive way of doing it, but it's not really a comp competition right. at all. It's really a collaboration, and, yeah. and we're just trying to tell get organizations to have a better opportunity to tell their stories. And we've got some fabulous uh, mentors and participants in that program already, so it's great. Well, what's the, what's the benefit of telling philanthropic stories to, to, our, to the next generation of potential givers? Well, I think it's all about impact. I mean, governments obviously provide a big piece of the social... Uh, uh, guarantees in our in our community and we rely on governments but charitable organizations are are really at the forefront of uh, sort of the extras for sure right. and oftentimes the basics in terms of you know services that they're able to provide with oftentimes government funding but but charitable organized the charitable dollar really is the the cream I guess you could say at the top that makes oftentimes the difference so we look at it as huge impact um, if the basic services are sort of there and you're able to top them up in some ways, uh, makes a huge difference. And, you know, we've got 1,500 or so active charities in, in Manitoba, all of which are, you know, doing a fabulous, fabulous job uh, making our quality of life better. So what do you think is the overarching feeling after this Fraser Institute um uh, generosity index came out. How should Manitobans feel? Should we keep on trucking as we are, or is there sort of a shift that we need to make? Or how? how what do you think for for the general sense of of Manitobans and w when it comes to giving? Well, m my sense is first of all we can pat ourselves on the back. You know, when you're number one in the country, I think you can feel good about that, and you and and that's important. But we give less than 1% of our income to charities. So I don't think we should be embarrassed if you're in the charitable sector to say 1% is great. It's the best in the country, but we could top that up with a little bit more. And and certainly I think that that's one of the challenges to ask people to give just a little bit more, no matter what their favorite charity might be. And, and secondly, obviously, to get people who aren't participating in the charitable field. Um, to get them into the mode. And it might start very small. At the Winnipeg Foundation, we got the widow's might uh, right. tradition where we say it's not the size of the gift, but the giving that matters. And that's really true because once a person you know, gives uh, 25 or 50 or $100 to a charity one year, the next year they might find another charity or that same charity and you know, top it up right. with an extra $50, $50 or something. We've got to get people into the mode of giving back, and we've got to keep that tradition strong in Manitoba. We won't be number one if we don't, uh, if we don't remember how important it is. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, uh, Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, for sitting down with us today. Great to be here. Thanks, Nolan. 
to learn more, or if you'd like to read more of Rick's thoughts um, in his speech called Sustaining Our Culture of Generosity, you can find more information online at WPGFDN.org. Again, that's WPGFDN.org. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to the Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation, Megan Tate. Uh, Megan was recently appointed to the position and has been with the Winnipeg Foundation for 17 years. Uh, And we here at RC360 would like to congratulate her on her new leadership role within the foundation. Uh, But first, uh, here's I Wouldn't Trade You for the World by The Bachelors, right here on River City 360. I wouldn't trade you for the world. sweetest dream with a love so divine you're like precious gems and spices it's so wonderful you're mine I love your tender back to River City 360. My name is Robert Zirk and joined by my co-host Nolan Bicknell and we are now joined by Megan Tate. She's the Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation. Megan, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. The Winnipeg Foundation is known for supporting a wide range of projects that tackle the community's greatest needs and I want to focus on a couple of the grants that are addressing uh, some of the more recent issues. Uh, A few weeks ago Winnipeg began welcoming a number of refugee families from Syria. 
What are a couple of recent projects that the foundation has supported that are helping newcomers thrive in our city? So there's a number of projects that we've done over the last few few months. Um, one that comes to mind is ERCOM, so the Immigrant Refugee Community Organization of Manitoba. They provide housing for newcomers when they first arrive in Winnipeg, and they're just about to open a second location. And so we've provided some funding to help them um, get that second location up and running. So certainly many of our new Syrian families will have an opportunity to benefit from the new housing offered by ERCOM. We also recently did a grant for the Canadian Muslim Women's Institute so that they could establish a community kitchen in their location. Um, I actually had an opportunity to speak just on Wednesday night with their executive director, and they're already starting to see many of the Syrian families arriving at their centre, just looking for, for different things to help them adapt to their new life in Canada. And the Foundation's grants also support uh, a lot of programs that help build strong families, and one of those is the Positive Parenting is Told Through Cultural Community Voices Project. And earlier this week, you attended a, uh, a workshop event that they held. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so that was a such an interesting project. And so it was run out of the Immigrant Centre, and they matched newcomer parents with local artists, and they found different ways of telling parenting stories from the newcomer's perspective. So um, one of the artists was a filmmaker, so she created a short film featuring a parent from Somalia and a parent from Iran. And just so interesting to get their perspectives on parenting in uh, Canadian culture. There was also a spoken word poet was paired with two women from South America. And so they worked together to create some, some poetry that again reflected the newcomer parenting experience. And the final artist was a playwright who worked with a woman from Africa to create a play that reflected her experiences as a newcomer parent. And I think what came across from all of the presentations was that although different cultures have different ways of being a parent, um, I'm a mom myself, that at the end of the day, we all love our kids and want the best for our kids. Um, and that really shone through through the art. But I just thought it was such an interesting way uh, to tell those stories. And it was a really great evening. I'm sure a lot of people attending learned a lot from all the presentations. They did, for sure. And from the, the practical, I don't know if you know, know, in Africa, many women carry their infants on their back with um, sort of a, an elaborate scarf. And I've always just wondered, how does that work? And so as part of the theatrical production, they demonstrated that. So I feel like I could also now um, be able to carry an infant on my back. And it uh, it's just a way for for the mother and child to bond and to be together and to have that really close connection. And so that was a practical thing that I learned. And something else that I learned, and it came through in many of the presentations, is that a sense of humor <laughs> always really helps when uh, parenting. And that really shone through from all the presentations as well. What were some of the participants' reactions following the event? I think um, the participants just really appreciated the opportunity to tell their stories. Something that was a little bit surprising to me that came across in the conversations afterwards is that when newcomers come to Canada, they're often fearful that their children will be apprehended by Child and Family Services. And actually, Child and Family Services was another um, partner in this project. Because of the different cultural practices when it comes to raising your children, 
things that might be appropriate in one culture aren't necessarily as accepted in Canadian culture. And so people were really frightened about what might happen to their children. And I think the opportunity to, to share their stories and to, again, show that although we might have different ways of parenting, at the end of the day, we all want what's best for our kids. They really appreciated the opportunity to tell that story. Now, another topic that's been at the forefront, not just in Winnipeg, but all throughout Canada, is reconciliation. And our listeners that tuned in last week uh, heard our story that we did uh, previously earlier in 2015 about Perception, which is the photography exhibit that addressed negative stereotypes and created an important dialogue about racism in our city. What are some of the grants from the Foundation that have celebrated Indigenous cultures and also supported reconciliation? I think the most direct project that we've supported um, in terms of reconciliation is a significant contribution to Returning to Spirit, which is an organization that actually delivers um, reconciliation workshops for Indigenous and non-Indigenous Canadians. So we've made a significant three-year commitment to that organization. But then more generally, There's a wide range of community organizations that we support to celebrate Aboriginal culture. For example, um, we provided a grant to Aboriginal languages of Manitoba so that they could produce a series of language resource books in Cree and Ojibwe so that families and individuals could learn or relearn that language at home. So that was kind of a neat, uh, neat project that we supported. Also, the Manitoba Indigenous Cultural Education Centre Again, dealing with language and education, we helped them put together some resources, this time in Ojibwe and Cree, for high school students in grades 9 to 11. For many years, we've supported the Manito Abbey Festival. Our support is directly to support um, elders who wish to participate in that festival. Another recent grant that we did was the to Mamaway, and it was a program to engage and empower Aboriginal youth, which is another really important component of, of work in the community. Excellent. How can our listeners learn more about all of the recent grants made by the Foundation? All of our most recent grants go up on our website. Every time we have a grants committee meeting, those grants are are listed on the grants section of our website. And then, of course, more generally, we've got all our great publications, our magazines that tell the stories of some of our grants in a bit more detail. And then next week, uh, we'll be launching our 2015 annual report, and a number of our grantees will be featured prominently in that. So stay tuned for our annual report launch. Great. And of course, River City 360 will be on location at the Winnipeg Foundation's annual report launch, and we'll have some great stories to share on next week's episode. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Megan Tate is the Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation. Again, if you want to learn more, visit wpgfdn.org. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons joins us in studio to tell us all about This Week in Citizen Journalism. But first, here's Helen Shapiro with Beyond the Sea right here on RC360. Somewhere beyond the sea Sailing 
to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you, and we are joined in studio now by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons and friend of the show. How's it going, Noah? <laughs> it's great. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, yeah season two of River City 360. That's very oh, exciting. Oh, what a strange journey it's been. <laughs> Happy to have you on the, on the first episode of uh, season two. Well, it's great to be here. So every week, uh, we like to bring you in and get a little sense of what's happening in Winnipeg and what's happening through the lens of citizen journalism, which is what Community News Commons is. So Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the stories that are happening on CNC this week? Well, uh, one of my favorites uh, this week happens to be a story that actually you did, Nolan. What a coincidence that we happen to have you on here. Uh, So this story is about a woman uh, whose name is Rebecca Deng, and um, that story you did last year, I believe, or at least uh, towards yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, basically we interviewed Rebecca and she uh, started uh, the Women's Resource Center in Bohr, which is uh, a, a center that's sort of helping a, uh, a region in South Sudan, which um, basically is torn apart by, uh, by a civil war there. And uh, we were going through um, 
all the episodes of River City 360 and for for the uh, year in review show and sort of our best of episode. And I really wanted to include this because it's such a fantastic story and her story is just so you know heartbreaking and riveting. And But it was a 20-minute long interview, so I couldn't really fit it in the show. So I decided to send uh, you an edited version of the interview and then write up a little a little story about it. Exactly. So. And so that's what we featured. Uh, we have that featured this week on uh, Community News Commons. And uh, you can uh, read about uh, Rebecca's story and about um, how after 23 years of being a refugee, which is an incredible length yeah. of time, uh, coming to Winnipeg, being here for the past decade, uh, she's able to reach out and help those who are still victims of war. And it's a really interesting story of how she's inspired a lot of women in Winnipeg to help with the, this um, Winnipeg, uh, with the... Um, uh, Winnipeg Women's Resource Center in Boar. So right. it's a great story that I think our listeners would really enjoy uh, reading about and listening for to sure. I mean, on, re- uh, c- on cncwpg.org. I mean, right now, sort of refugees are the hot topic when it comes to almost everywhere you look. Every news source is, has got a different story. And it's, sometimes we forget that, because you hear a lot about people coming from Syria, but you, you forget that there's probably thousands of areas and and places in the world that are you know oh for sure torn and 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 are pumping out refugees yeah and 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 manitoba uh for its uh part has actually taken in more refugees than any other province in canada uh over the course of the last uh, 10 15 years and the reason is is because we have a very strong uh, refugee policy, or at least a, a, okay. a policy that encourages uh, refugees to come to Manitoba. So uh, that's um, a really, uh, really good story that uh, I would encourage our listeners to uh, check out Please on, do. Uh, on uh, communitynewscommons.org. Uh, so what else is happening in, in here in Winnipeg and around Manitoba? Well, uh, I really liked uh, Trevor Smith. He's one of my favorite uh, writers for uh, CNC, a citizen reporter. Uh, Trevor has a nice little article about uh, the rail line relocation. Uh, that has been talked about recently and how they're thinking about uh, tearing up the uh, rail lines in River Heights oh, yeah. and uh, moving them outside uh, the city or at least uh, you know to the edge of the city. And uh, Trevor, who actually lives in River Heights, I'm pretty sure he does, he has a very interesting idea about what to do if the tracks can be removed because he has some interesting comments about how difficult it is to do something like that. But he says if they are removed, the vacant land could be used as perhaps an active transportation corridor. So we have like oh, a bike walking yeah. route all the way from River Heights, maybe all the way along Keniston. That'd be okay. uh, so that would, might be an interesting thing, but you can read about that story on um, uh, uh, communitynewscommons.org. Fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's one of the areas of the city that I've often been stuck behind a train, usually <laughs> yeah. at, at the height of traffic at 5 o'clock or 8 a.m. Why why does the train need to go through there? Like, why? Yes, I understand indeed. the frustration, for sure. For sure. So, last but not least, usually you bring us three. Have you got three this time? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, Susan Hubert, another favorite writer of mine that um, uh, does a lot of stories for communitynewscommons.org. She talks about this... Um, uh, food waste, basically, oh, okay. the issue of food waste. So there's so much food waste in Canada. There's right. about $31 billion per year is what it costs our country in terms of food waste. So this would be stuff that people just throw out from their kitchens, stuff that supermarkets wow. would throw out. And essentially, she uh, points out that there are some very interesting ways to um, remedy that situation. And I'm guessing compost is one of them? Well, um, well, it's really not a question of waste. It's a question of eating food that doesn't look 
Perfect. Oh man, I'm guilty of that. When and I, you know, when you know, I'm you go in the supermarket. Yeah. Exactly. You go in the supermarket and you're looking, and and the supermarkets, of course, are guilty of that as well because mm-hmm. they think consumers only want perfect food. But yeah. Susan makes the point that there's a whole bunch of food out there that doesn't look perfect, but it's Still actually perfectly just perfectly good for you. Exactly. It's right. fine. So um, she has a really good uh, article on that that uh, I would encourage our listeners to uh, to take a look at. I full. I'm guilty as charged on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know, are. It's too bad. <laughs> and uh, last. But not least, we like to uh, give our listeners a little taste of local music that you could bring for us. Uh, I know you've got your finger on the pulse of, of new bands and, and in the city here. So what have you got for us this week? Well, this week I want to feature a local band called Deep Dark Cave. And they are an emerging indie rock band that uh, is gearing up to hit the stage at this year's Uniter Fiverr Showcase. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's basically when the spotlight is turned on new uh, five new local bands that ch- were chosen by the public it's vote. voted voted in yeah, exactly yeah. by the uniter uh, the uniter basically U- university of winnipeg newspaper uh, ha- um, holds that uh, mm-hmm. that contest or that vote and so they will be joined by four other bands and um and then um th- it'll be sort of like a you know a, like a battle of the bands battle of the bands thing? essentially right so that'll be on january the 4th uh, january the 14th at the goodwill and so deep dark cave will be um uh, doing one of those sets and today i wanted to feature um, one of their uh, from from their album called Demo. This is a song by Deep Dark Cave called Higher, and so this cool. is Deep Dark Cave on CJNU ninety three point seven FM, River City three sixty.
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening, and a huge thank you to all of our guests today. Uh, Rick Frost, CEO of the Winnipeg Foundation, Megan Tate, Director of Community Grants at the Winnipeg Foundation, and Noah Ehrenberg, Convener of Community News Commons. Don't forget, if you want to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast. You can do all of that by visiting our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with Community News Commons and CJNU 93.7 FM. And if you've got a story idea for us or there's a song that you'd like to hear to start your Sunday morning off, please give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. Give us a call. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. You can look us up at RiverCity360 on Twitter and search RiverCity360 on Facebook. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. Mm-hmm.